listening to sermons from South Point McDonough, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. A couple of things, as we are in the middle of this prayer series, and then we'll jump in uh, to another text. As we're in the middle of this, I just want to keep uh, something else in front of you as well. There are several opportunities to pray around here. So if you're like, yeah, thanks for teaching us. Now what do we do with this information on prayer? A couple of things. This morning the ladies met and they meet every third Sunday of the month. And they met right back here and they spent about 45 minutes or an hour, maybe more, in prayer. Uh, And so if you're a lady, you are invited to that every single month. They'll do it again next month and the month after that, Lord willing, the month after that. You don't have to sign up, don't have to do anything special, don't have to bring like a prayer journal, you don't have to wear certain colors, nothing. You just show up and they spend time praying. And so I'm incredibly grateful for the ladies uh, investing in our church body and crying out to God. On Saturday mornings, I've had some people ask me about this just this past week. On Saturday mornings, we've been setting up a prayer booth station uh, right outside and with signs. And as people walk by, as they drive by, uh, we are inviting them to pray for them, pray with them. And so if you want to be part of that, uh, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. to about noon, you can see Chris Brown. You can see uh, Ryan Cow or Tony for a little more information on that. But I'll also encourage you, this coming up uh, Friday night all the way into Saturday, we're having our annual 24 hours of prayer. I think maybe last year we skipped uh, just for a variety of reasons. But normally what we've done in the past, so if you're unfamiliar, we spend Friday night at 6 p.m. until Saturday night at 6 p.m. just praying. Now you're like, man, that's a long time. I got to eat. You know, I get hungry. I got to take a nap. We're asking you to sign up to pray for at least one hour. That's it just for one hour. Uh, and some of y'all are like, man, an hour is still a long time. And I was talking to a couple of folks this morning. And they said, yeah, but when you're there and it's a guided time of prayer, it's right here. It'll be in the back of this room. Uh, we'll have somebody outside working security, making sure no, no creepers are in here trying to pray with us. We'll let creepy folks pray outside. Okay, so normal folks can pray inside. Um, but it's guided. There are different tables for you to pray at, different prayer requests, different ways to pray for different missionaries, etc. And by the time you get through with the hour, you're like, man, where did the time go? It is just a sweet, sweet time of prayer. And so as of this morning, or last night, the text that I got, we had 15 spots available to pray. And so I would encourage you to sign up for one of those spots. You can sign up either online on the website, southpoint.org, which is probably the most efficient way if you're like, I need to beat somebody to my favorite spot. Go ahead and do that now. Or if you wanna wait and uh, take whatever's left, there's a sign up, a physical form in the very back in the, in the atrium. And so you can sign up there. Each one of those, each hour time spot has actually four slots to sign up to pray. And so if all you can do is three o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, um, then there's four spots for you to fill up there. Somebody this morning said, well, why haven't you signed up yet? And I said, well, I'm gonna take whatever's left. So that'll probably be my spot. Uh, So you can join me at three o'clock on Saturday morning. But that's happening this Friday. So please make sure you sign up for that. That's gonna be here in McDonough. Locust Grove is doing the same thing as well. And so this Friday, I think that's the 20th, that Friday the 20th? I don't know. It's Friday. Who knows? So make sure you sign up for that this week until Saturday. And then next Sunday night at five o'clock, we have a night of prayer. And we're actually going to be going to Locust Grove and joining them next Sunday night. And so we'll be here next Sunday morning per use of finishing out our prayer series. I'm really excited about that. Um, And then uh, a night of prayer next Sunday night. Everybody got that? 
Good? Awesome. We're going to eventually end up in Matthew chapter 6, but here's, uh, when we look back at the Gospels, Jesus did some pretty awesome stuff. So even if this is your first time ever stepping foot um, in a church, which again, we're, we're stoked you're here, you may have heard about Jesus, and even if you haven't, just know that he was the son of God who came, he lived about 2,000 years ago. He did awesome stuff. He was sick. He turned water into wine, and not just like, Trader Joe's, like two buck Chuck, probably now it's three buck Chuck, but like really good stuff from Napa Valley. It was, it was amazing. He, um, he made guys walk on water. Remember Peter walking out and then Jesus, he was out there skiing without, without a boat in front of him. It was sick. Uh, he healed blind people. Uh, he healed leopards. It was just all over the place. Uh, he was doing all of these things for years as he was here on the earth. But you know what's interesting is that the disciples, they only asked Jesus to teach them one thing. They said, Jesus, teach us how to what? Heal, wait, what? How to cast out demons. Can, can you just imagine for a minute? You're right. He said, teach us how to pray. Okay, good job. Uh, can you imagine for a minute how much uh, more traction we could gain as a church or how much better your life group or your DNA group or the way that you disciple your kids, how much better would that be if you could cast out demons? Wouldn't that be awesome? How much, how much cooler would our church be if we could actually, anybody sick, that cough right there, whoever coughed, hey, come on up here, we're gonna heal that. You're never gonna cough again. Wouldn't that be sick? If you could pull coins out of fish's mouths, if we could walk on water, if we could like hide through, like wouldn't that be, I mean, just think. And what did the disciples do? Teach us how to pray. Come on, guys. Like teach us the good stuff. Let's go. But here's why they said teach us how to pray. It's because they realized the effectiveness and the power and the intimacy that Jesus Christ had with the Father and the power he had from the Spirit came through prayer. They knew that when he was away with the Father, that's how he was spending it. That was the most important part of Jesus' time on the earth. Not healing, not casting out, not miracles, not walking, not taking a kid's uh, lunchable and feeding thousands of people with it, but it was prayer. So they said, this is the crux of intimacy with Jesus. Father, teach us how to pray. The, uh, the great Saint Augustine, some of y'all might know him as Saint Augustine, but you're wrong. His name was Augustine. He called this withness. Everybody say withness. He didn't say it in English, but we can translate it that way. Uh, but he said this idea of withness is what Jesus experienced with the Father. They were constantly together. They were always there modeling this relationship. Matthew chapter 14, we see this in a few different verses we have on Jesus spending time in prayer. Matthew 14, 23, and you can go look at the context of all of these, okay? I just wanted to see the idea that Jesus spent time in prayer. After he had dis dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, talking about Jesus, he was there alone. Mark 1, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Later in Matthew's, uh, sorry, Mark's gospel, he says, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 5, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke 6, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus here is modeling witness 
with the Father. He is modeling the kingdom, the kingdom of God. What is heaven? Heaven is time with the Trinity. We said it several months ago, but heaven is, in its most basic form, relational beauty with God. Jesus is modeling that. Here's the first thing that I want us to see this morning, right before we jump into uh, Matthew chapter 6, is that the number one obstacle that we face, and we touched on this last week just a little bit, but the number one obstacle we face in prayer is an inability to receive the love of God. Let that sit for a minute. The number one obstacle is the ability to receive the love of God. If I were to say, take one word, God is love, right? Some of y'all might say something else, but by and large, God is love. You're like, okay, we got it. Whew. Okay, let's move on to something else. Let's move on to like some super lapsinarianism or, you know, something like that. Try for a spectacular. No, no, but God is love. But there's a difference, friend, between knowing that God is love and experiencing the love of God. You see, while we were still rebels, while we were running, pushing against God, running away from him, it pleased the Father to crush the Son. We just think about this a minute ago. Because of Jesus Christ coming to live for us, to die for us, and being raised back to life, because of that, we can be accepted by the Father. We can be approved. Gospel discovery will never get old. The fact that God loves us is far deeper and far richer than we could ever plumb the depths of. We will never reach the bottom of God's love, but it must be discovered. It must be experienced. I can't simply tell you all the ways that God loves you. He has told you that himself. The blood of Jesus Christ still speaks and it speaks a better word over you than does your sin. Matthew chapter six. We know this as... Oftentimes the Lord's prayer, I would actually call it the disciples' prayer because they say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, hey, when you pray, pray this way, like disciples. So y'all pray this way. Matthew chapter six, we begin in verse number nine. He says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the idea that God is real, that there is some greater deity, some greater being, both ancient and modern, folks aren't really going to argue with that. There's something bigger than us. Here's the question that we've been wrestling with though for centuries. Not is God real, but is God knowable? Can we know God? And so even all throughout the Old Testament, the primary name for God is not Father. They'll say Yahweh, this is the Lord, the one that we worship. If you even think about uh, Moses coming out of Egypt, we see God as a pillar of fire or of cloud. Now, when you see this cloud and this fire leading you around, it leaves very little doubt that God is real. So the issue is not, is God real? The question is, is God knowable? 
And so when Jesus says here, our Father, he's creating an intimacy with God the Father that these disciples would have gasped at. It would have surprised them. Like, Jesus, you can't say, our Father? That, that's too close of a relationship. Here's the second thing I want us to see this morning from Matthew 6. The audacity of this prayer is that Jesus brought prayer too close and made God too accessible. Now, for us, we think, oh, no, we, we know he's accessible. I can talk to him anytime. He knows all things. We know all these things theologically. And I would say true. But how difficult is it for us to receive and experience the love of God without thinking that we have to do something to earn that? And when I'm in sin, I'm like, oh man, I've got to get back in God's good graces. I have to earn the love of God again. But here's what Jesus, when he's here speaking to his disciples, in the Old Testament, they understood the presence of God the Father to be there in the temple, there in the tabernacle, there in the temple. And what Jesus was saying is, our Father. So what was happening in the temple, the presence of God is good enough for all people everywhere. That's why he says, may your kingdom come, may your presence be brought down and fill the earth as it is in heaven. This was audacious. This was a daring prayer. I know that when I say this next thing, some folks are gonna be like, yeah, you don't understand my relationship with my father. I don't have time to dig into that. But here's what I'll, I'll use the word healthy as a caveat. Because no one has a perfect relationship with their father here on earth, right? We can all agree on that because no one's father here on earth is perfect. But the healthiest way to view our relationship with God the father is a healthy relationship between a father and a child, a healthy relationship. Some of you are like, yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I hear all the problems with my dad. And I would say the reason that you know those are problems, the reason that you know that they are wrong, that they are issues, that everything is not the way it's supposed to be, is because there's something better. Because that's not how we were created to be in relationship. There's an ideal relationship that we were made for. If you consider um, a healthy relationship between a father and a child, they don't know any bounds to what they're going to ask for. They will ask for pretty much anything at any moment, no matter what, right? I was right down the road this past week and one of my kids, they said, dad, I think it's time for you to upgrade your truck. So you know what? You know what, Axel? That's a great idea. Now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he just turned 12, four more years till he's 16. He thinks he's gonna get this. So he's thinking, you know what would be awesome? Even awesomer than a 2008 Honda Ridgeline would be a 2023 Ford F-250. What he doesn't understand is my Bank of America login, okay? But that doesn't stop him from audaciously asking, hey, would you mind going and getting an awesome truck? I think it's time. I'm, and Axel was being so selfless here. Dad, I think, you know, I love you so much. I just want you to have something sick to drive. They don't know any bounds to this. Here's what Augustine said. He said, the desire is thy prayers. Notice here the connection between the hard desire and how much time we spend in prayer. The desire is thy prayers. And if thy desire be without ceasing, thy prayer will also be without ceasing. The continuance of your longing is the continuance of your prayer. Uh, two summers ago, we were, uh, we had, we'd just gone to beach camp with the students and then we were going back 
to Discovery Cove down in Florida. And it was just a lot of driving here and there. And we'd gone to my sister's house over in Mississippi in between. So we go to Discovery Cove because my wife's lifelong dream was to swim with the dolphins and be a dolphin trainer. And so at the age of 40, I made her lifelong dreams come true because her parents didn't. And so we'll talk about those daddy issues later. Uh, but so we go to Discovery Cove. And it was a long day and Axel ends up getting sick. He, gets, he ends up throwing, throwing up in line. And so I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do. So just a long day, I'm exhausted. So we, we deal with that, we try to have fun with, uh, with Kingston. So we go back to the, the hotel room that we're staying in there, just, just exhausted. We finally get Axel to stop, you know, puking. And uh, so then about ready to go to bed. I mean, just ready to crash. And Kingston, at that point, um, I don't know, eight minus, so he's six. And so, uh, I know, you don't pay me for math, all right? So uh, he's six, he, he says, he's laying there in the bed in the hotel room. He says, Daddy, can you come lay down with me? And I thought, oh, heck no. <laughs> I ain't got time for this. Daddy's tired. <laughs> Daddy wants to go to sleep. In the moment I, was, oh man, I fought it, I did go lay down with him. Ended up falling asleep for two or three hours. But here's the thing. While I have the option of saying no, I'm too tired. God, our Father, in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, cannot say no to you. And that's not because of who you are. It's because of who he is. Because he has adopted you as his child. And he will not say no to spending time with you. He cannot. When you imagine God as being anything less than father, you in turn imagine yourself as being something less than son or daughter. And in essence, you're believing the same lie that Eve believed back in Genesis chapter three. Did God really say? Notice the serpent doesn't come and say, man, look how juicy this fruit is. Probably this, this fig, you know? That would just make sense with the fig leaves covering up. It would just make for, I don't know what kind of fruit it was, but that would just be a, just a great little, um, I don't know, continuance of, of theology there. Uh, but he says, does, he doesn't say, wouldn't this be so awesome? No, he doesn't tempt them with the fruit. He tempts them with a disbelief in the character and nature of God. Can you really trust God? Did God really say, is God really father? Are you really his child? Does God really love you? Today? After doing what you did yesterday? After thinking what you were thinking last night? After talking to your wife like that? After not spending time with me for days or weeks or months or even longer? after pursuing all of these pleasures of the world. Friend, we're, we're like Peter Pan. Our hearts never really grow old. We never really grow up. We need to be constantly reminded of the love of a good father. We need to be reminded that we are his children and he cannot say no to us. And when we remind ourselves that it is our Father, when we're reminded here, when we pray like this, we're also reminded that He loves us uniquely, that He loves us specially. You see, prayer is it's a reclaiming of our identity. 
we're being reminded of our identity as his children, of his sons and his daughters. So we come to him with everything that we have. I tell my kids all the time, not enough because I quizzed them this morning and they both failed. Uh, I think one of them failed on purpose. Uh But I asked them, I say, hey, do you know why I'm proud of you? I'm not proud of you because of what you do. I'm not proud of you because of how smart you are, how much stuff you know, or how good you are at sports, or how much you look like me. I'm not proud of you for those things. I'm proud of you because you're mine. And nothing is ever going to stop that love. Are you going to mess up? Sure. Every day. And every day I'm going to love you even more. That's the same way that we have the love from the Father. We're recovering our identity. Here's the third thing that I want us to see this morning. Is that the discovery of God's love is his end of the deal. Now, because you may be thinking, okay, so how do I step more and more into the, into the love of God? How do I experience this more and more? The discovery of God's love, that's his end of the deal. He's going to reveal that to you. My kids can't pull more, pull more love out of me. They can't say, love me more, love me more, love me more. And I'm just, I have to do it. No, that's his end of the deal. Your part is to just show up honestly. It's to show up with whatever you've got. Last week, several folks, we talked about why is it difficult to pray? Why is it hard to pray? And I heard this even throughout the week, but many folks said they don't pray for lack of knowing what to say. But can I tell you this morning, friend, God delights in you praying what you have. Just pray what you got. When a a kid is small and they can't pronounce words correctly, you don't come behind them and correct them every single single time, right? It's kind of cute. But my kids, sorry, I knew some kids one time who couldn't pronounce their L's. And that's pretty common for kids, right? And so you would say, what do you like to do? I love playing Yegos, right? Because every L turned into a Y. Jesus loves me this, I, you know, it's just awesome. Just loved it. No parent in their right mind is gonna come along and say, no, the word is Legos. What's wrong with you? God, you that 800 times. I'm saying Yegos, dad, I can't. No, we pray what we have. In the same way that a child does, they show up with honesty. Don't worry about perfecting your prayers. I think sometimes we start to pray and we're like, man, it's almost like we're about to follow Winston Churchill um, in, in speech class. And we're not. Pray what you have. Here's what Roberta Bondi said. She said, if you are praying, you are already doing it right. Richard Foster, who wrote an excellent book on prayer, I think it's, uh, I don't remember what it's called. Something about prayer. Just look it up. But he said, by praying, we learn to pray. How do I get it right? I don't know what to say. Just show up and pray whatever is on your heart. Friend, listen, you will never discover all there is to know about God. You never will. So if you're coming here this morning, you're like, man, I'm, I'm a little cynical. I'm a little scared, I'm apprehensive, it's been a while, I'm bored, whatever that is, you are in the right place to begin 
an eternal divine relationship with God that is founded on prayer. You are in the right spot. Jesus Christ invites you. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Man, isn't that good? You read Psalm 88 recently, Psalm 73, like just pouring out your heart to God. Dom John Chapman, he said, pray as you can and don't try to pray as you can't. Last Sunday, um, and I blame Chris for this, just being over kids ministry. He was probably back there with, um, with Kingston. But um, we got home uh, Sunday night and, and Kingston was just acting the fool. I can say this because he's not in here, okay? And don't tell him Axel. So he, he's just acting the fool. And the general consensus in my home was ignore, ignore, ignore. Like run away, let him go do his thing. And I thought just for a moment, what would Jesus do? Remember the 90s bracelet? Here's what Jesus does. He wants to be with us, even in the midst of our selfishness. He wants to be with us, even in the midst of our rebellion. That's why he has chased us down. While we were yet sinners, not good looking, not almost good enough, not trying real hard, not real smart or real rich or have all this potential, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Fill in your name right there. He died for you. And so I went and sat with Kingston in the middle of his selfishness and it wasn't fun, but I just wanted to love him the way that he is. Whatever that looks like for you, I would invite you into spending time with the Father. Maybe you're like, man, I can't pray for an hour. Okay, pray for a minute. Take some time this week and every day, pray for a minute, pray for two minutes while you're driving, while you're walking, while you're journaling, while you're angry, while you're distracted, while you're in the midst of sin, cry out to God, tell him those things. He wants to listen to you like a good father would. Just pray what you got. Even if you have to say, yeah, it goes. Like, man, this, this, this prayer sounds real lame. That's okay. It sounds like a child crying out to their father. So that's what I want us to do this morning, just for a moment. I want us to do what, uh, what the ancients would call a breath prayer. And just for a moment, this is uh, an easy way to, for us to reflect on the character and nature of God and be reminded of who we are because of who he is. And so as we sit here, you don't have to do this out loud with me. You can do this quietly. But as we breathe in, I want us to be reminded of who we are. And as we breathe out, I want us to be reminded of who God is. And so it's a simple technique. You're like, yeah, I don't like to, I just wanna, that's fine. That's fine, man, do what you want, that's, that's cool. I'm not saying you, like this is, this is not in the Bible anywhere. But one technique that I found to be helpful is as you breathe out, God, you are a father. And as you breathe in, 
and I am your son or daughter. As you breathe out, you are holy and I am forgiven. So for a moment, let's be reminded of who God is. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, when you think of God, whatever you imagine, that's the state of your soul. And I would say, as you say, dear God, whatever you imagine the Father's face to be, that's probably the state of your spirituality. And so let's be reminded of who he is. So you can close your eyes. You can pray there with me silently, whatever that looks like. I just want you to spend time talking to the Father and being reminded that you are his child. If he were to walk in, if God the Father were to show up this morning and walk in this door, what would he want to say to you?